The Week in Doubt, episode 344. Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, the host of The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. And before we start, I'd actually like to read an iTunes review. It's been a while since I've uh, done that. And I think this person wants to keep a low profile. I think I, I have an idea who it is, so I won't give out their um, their username or anything. But it was a very nice, very well-worded review. So here it is. Great podcast, maybe a diamond in the rough. I appreciate this podcast so much. Where some podcasts or YouTube channels are all glitter and no substance, this podcast is just a genuine guy Do I usually say genuine or is it genuine? Anyway, a genuine guy talking about interesting topics in a thoughtful, sincere, humorous, sometimes slightly neurotic way. I love it. After six years of listening, I consider each episode to almost be like a call from a friend, except I don't talk back. One of my favorite podcasts, and one of the few that rates high enough to get a listen every time, and not just when the topic suits my interests. So, wow, that was a great review, and I I really appreciate it. And I see that it's dated December 9th, so I apologize for, you know, getting around to it late. I have a very bad habit of uh, finding out or stumbling upon these iTunes reviews long after they're written. Um, I probably would have missed this one, too, but this is kind of embarrassing. In order to see what episode number I was up to, I had to open up the podcast app on my uh, iPhone and look through the, the feed of my own show. And so I guess, you know, that makes this 344. I think I've done a lot more episodes than just 344. But um, some of the more special documentary type ones aren't numbered chronologically. So this should be, uh, you know, it's at least 344 of uh, of the numbered episodes. And you can probably tell by the way I'm rambling that, yes, this is going to be one of those unscripted episodes. After all the uh, the, the Christmas or holiday repeat episodes and the special documentary ones, I thought it was, it was about time for an unscripted news story episode. But before we move on to the news stories I'm actually interested in, I guess I should address the 800-pound orange gorilla in the room. Or orangutan, if you will. When I was a kid, I think I used to uh, say orangutan, but it's orangutan, right? (laughs) Um, And yes, that was a Trump joke. Did I offend anyone? I don't know if I have any Trump supporters in my audience. I kind of doubt it. Uh, This is an atheist podcast. There are some right-leaning atheists or libertarian atheists. uh, I don't try to hide that I'm a left-leaning dude myself. Um, Why am I rambling? Because it's unscripted. Oh, boy. Back on track. Back on track. So anyway, the other day... I'm at work. Oh, this is awful, man. I've been taking amitriptyline for my uh, headaches. I think it's finally catching up with me. I got this really bad dry mouth. It's crazy. So I'm like sucking on a lozenge. And because my Yeti mic is so powerful, you can probably hear it. Hold on. I'll pause. Sorry about that. I'm back. Just had to finish that thing. (laughs) It's gross. Um, I think uh, I was reading up on amitriptyline, and not only does it raise serotonin, but it it's also uh, an anticholinergic drug. 
And I think, for some reason, dry mouth is pretty common with anticholinergic drugs. If I remember correctly, um, that refers to uh, acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter. I think it's involved with the parasympathetic nervous system and muscle control or whatever. But uh, maybe that's how amitriptyline, you know, even at low doses where it's not functioning as an antidepressant, it can still help relax you and help with your headaches. Maybe it has something to do with uh, that, the anticholinergic effects. Uh, anyway, so I'm at work the other morning and my brother insists on listening to local talk radio all day. Uh, kind of one of those maddening local news stations that announce the news like literally every five minutes so it, it reminds me of it's like some kind of weird circle of hell where not only are you stuck at a job you don't like but they're reminding you what the time is every five minutes so the day goes by that much slower but anyway so they mention uh that the big news was that trump via drone strike i believe had this uh Iranian bigwig assassinated, um, this major general, uh, Soleimani, is it? And I remember the first thing that came to mind, I'm like, so Iran, do they or don't they have nukes? <laughs> you know, uh, Hey, what are you going to do? If World War III does break out, you know, and everything's turned into a wasteland, maybe at least I won't have to work anymore. I can just put on some spiked shoulder pads and steal a motorcycle. Ah, oh, the hell's wrong with me? Um, I don't want to get bogged down in that, though. I, I'd, I'd rather just deal with, uh, you know, your run-of-the-mill, kooky, uh, religious-based news stories or whatever. So you guys might have already heard about this one. This is dated to December 11th, and um, I'm reading from a Patheos article. Georgia City Councilman resigns after claiming interracial marriage is wrong. So let's see, here we go. Bible Belt Racism, a Georgia city councilman has resigned after publicly opposing interracial marriage because of his sincerely held Christian beliefs. Earlier this year, I don't even know how to pronounce that, Hoshton? I don't know. <laughs> Hoshton city councilman Jim Cleveland defended his mayor's decision to discriminate against a black man by citing his sincerely held Christian beliefs and his opposition to interracial marriage. At the time, Councilman Cleveland explained that he is a Christian. For some reason, when I said Cleveland, I thought of uh, Cleveland from the uh, Family Guy. Uh, from the Family Guy? From, fa from the Family Guy. From Family Guy. Um, Councilman Cleveland explained that he is a Christian, and as a Christian, he has a problem with quote-unquote race mixing, Cleveland said. what What's that term they throw around for that? Um hear like white supremacist types using, is it miscegenation or something like that? Um, I think that's it. <laughs> the fancy term for race mixing. And it says, uh, Cleveland said, I was almost going to break into a Cleveland impression from a family guy. I'm a, I'm a Christian and my Christian beliefs, uh, I am feeling really whacked out, man. It probably is the amitriptyline. I'm a Christian. My Christian beliefs are you don't do interracial marriage. That's the way I was brought up and that's the way I believe. I think I covered another story like this not long ago. Um, you know, does the Bible, I think then I said, you know, does the Bible even say anything about interracial marriage? 
And I was thinking about how in the Old Testament, aren't there all sorts of examples of kings marrying, you know, women from foreign lands, etc. And I think, didn't I, didn't Moses even have an Ethiopian wife or something like that? Yeah, I think it's in the book of Numbers. He took a Cushite, um, modern day Ethiopia, I think, right? A, a Cushite wife. Yeah, so I don't even know what the Bible or Christianity has to say about interracial marriage. My guess is uh, this guy was just weaned on racism right along with his Christianity or whatever. Kind of like, remember the old commercial with the, uh, you got your peanut butter in my chocolate, you got your chocolate in my peanut butter? They get eh, racism all mixed up with their uh, religion, I guess. And it continues, Cleveland added, I have black friends. That's like the stereotypical, like the cliche thing racists start out with, you know, start by saying, supposedly, I have black friends. I hired black people. But when it comes to all this stuff you see on TV, when you see blacks and whites together, it makes my blood boil because that's just not the way a Christian is supposed to live. So... Not only is he, you know, bothered on some level by it, 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 it really, he's hulking out. It makes his blood boil. What, what's unchristian about a black person and a white person being together? I don't know. Same species, different pigmentation. Learn to live with it. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that guy's an ass. On to the next story. And so this next one is also from Patheos and it's uh, by Hemet Maida himself. And it's entitled, Harvard Law Professor, Atheists Can't Be Trusted to Hold Public Office. And so here, uh, I'll start the article. I'm not a Harvard Law student, much less a Harvard Law professor. But Adrian Vermeule, I think it is, is. Which is why it's all the more disturbing that he seems to believe atheists are incapable of holding public office. Responding to a Washington Post article about how white evangelicals falsely fear that atheists would strip away their rights given the chance, one person chimed in by saying several states have laws on the books saying atheists can't hold public office or serve on juries. That's absolutely true, even if all those laws are unenforceable. The point is that when Christians are in power, they actually have limited atheist rights. There's no analog the other way around. In response to that point, Vermeule chimed in by saying those states were right to ban atheists from serving an office because atheists, quote-unquote, can't be trusted to keep an oath. And there's actually a screen cap of the uh, actual tweet here. And yeah, so in his own words, he says, sensible, atheists can't be trusted to keep an oath, which is, you know, just crazy. If... This is meant to be taken the way it reads, uh, you know, on face value. Yeah, it is kind of shocking that the guy's a Harvard Law professor and he has this kind of prejudice, uh, this kind of ignorant take on atheists. Just because someone's smart enough to question the faith claims of man-made religions, you know, that means they can't be trusted. Why? Because, you know, the Bible holds no sway over them when they're swearing on it or something. <laughs> You're forced to put their hand on it. Um, that's highly insulting. There's a lot of very principled non-believers out there. And I think a lot of people, myself included, I, I like to think, you know, arrived at our worldview because we're principled, because we want to be as honest with ourselves and others 
as possible and not, you know, exchange empirical truth for pacifying ourselves with, you know, <laughs> these man-made faith claims. Um, but I don't know, if this is how it appears, you know, then this guy's an ass too. He should go have a seat next to that uh, councilman who has a problem <laughs> with mixed marriage. Okay, so it looks like I'm poaching yet another story from Patheos. This one is entitled, 900 plus priests were left off of the Catholic Church's list of alleged predators. And this one actually came to my attention via the aforementioned uh, talk radio or, or news radio I'm f forced to listen to at work. And when I looked it up, you know, I just, uh, I, I saw that uh, Patheos happened to have covered it. And this is also from Hemant Mehta's Friendly Atheist channel on Patheos, but it's actually by, uh, I guess, maybe a guest writer or something, David G. And this one's actually only a few days old. And I'm not referring to the age of uh, the Catholic Church's victims. I mean, the story's only a few days old. Yes, I did just slap myself. Amitriptyline. I'm going to blame it on amitriptyline. Catholic churches have shielded at least 900 priests from their own release lists of clergy members who have been credibly accused of sexually abusing young kids, according to an Associated Press investigation. And I know I shouldn't even be, you know, it is a really serious subject. I shouldn't be joking about it. Uh, I'm just being kind of silly bad host. But anyway, so that is to say when the Catholic Church offered up the names of priests and other leaders who had been accused of wrongdoing, they left off the names of people we now know have plenty of serious blemishes on their records. Most recently, for example, we reported on the Catholic Diocese of Lansing in Michigan, which disclosed the names of 17 priests who had been, in quotes, credibly accused of abusing a minor. That list stretched all the way back to 1937, but it still wasn't complete according to the Associated Press. And here it looks like there's a kind of embedded blurb that maybe is coming from another source. I don't know if it's coming from the Associated Press itself. And this contains some graphic language and, it, man, yeah, it's kind of bad. Richard J. Poster, sir, is it really? Poster or Poster? Served time for possessing child pornography, violated his probation by having contact with children. It, this is bad, man. Admitted masturbating in the bushes near a church school and in 2005 was put on a sex offender registry. And yet the former Catholic priest was only just this month added to a list of clergy members credibly accused of child sexual abuse. After the Associated Press asked why he was not included, an AP analysis found more than 900 clergy members accused of child sexual abuse. And I'm just thinking, there's no way this one's getting monetized. Right? I'm pretty sure YouTube has software that, you know, scans uh, videos that are uploaded for, you know, kind of trigger words or whatever, or words that are on their very, very, very long list of bad words. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to assume we're not getting monetized this week. Not that I, I think... Uh, I know it's a very serious topic. I shouldn't be uh, digressing like this. But ever since YouTube made some changes, and remember I complained how my whole channel got temporarily demonetized a while back. I think since then, what was that? Maybe almost half a year or something? Only once have I accumulated enough ad revenue to merit a payout. You have to meet a $100 uh, threshold before you can actually receive a payout. 
So it's not like I'm really making any money off of YouTube anyway, so might as well just, you know, cover the stories honestly and let the chips fall where they may. But anyway, so where was I? Oh yeah, an AP analysis found more than 900 clergy members accused of child sexual abuse who were missing from lists released by the diocese and religious orders where they served. The AP reached that number by matching those public diocesan lists against a database of accused priests tracked by the group bishopaccountability.org and then scouring bankruptcy documents, lawsuits, settlement information, grand jury reports, and media accounts. And then the author of the article continues, this is the worst case scenario. And the sad thing is, it's not even a surprise at this point. Yeah, that's pretty much how I feel. Did anyone expect the church to confess all its sins? This is a serious problem, though. It's not as though these churches just left off unverified minor accusations that they simply felt weren't important. Meanwhile, other dioceses haven't released lists at all. More than a hundred of the former clergy members not listed by dioceses or religious orders had been charged with sexual crimes included. This is really dark. I, you know, I feel like, uh, I don't even like reading this stuff, including rape, solicitation, and receiving or viewing child pornography. On top of that, the AP found another nearly 400 priests and clergy members who were accused of abuse while serving in dioceses that have not yet released any names. No one should think, oh, the bishops are releasing their list, there's nothing left to do, said Terence McKenna. I was always thinking Terence McKenna, the late ethnobotanist who was really into psychedelic plants. Hmm. I kind of wish I was talking about Terence McKenna. Anyway, Terence McKiernan, co-founder of bishopaccountability.org. I don't know why that makes me chuckle. It just seems like a weird website name or address, but it actually seems like it's a very important organization that's doing really important work. So bishopaccountability.org, who has been tracking the abuse crisis and cataloging accused priests for almost two decades, accumulating a database of thousands of priests. And then it closes with, McKernan's right. This isn't the end of holding churches accountable for their actions. It is just the beginning. And what the church shows us over and over is that they can't be trusted to police themselves. And I was almost having a flashback to that earlier story about the Harvard Law professor who said that atheists can't be trusted to, to keep an oath. I'm thinking, here's a major religious institution that can't be trusted with something very important, holding uh, people accountable for doing some pretty heinous stuff. Um, so yeah, but uh, here's the final few sentences of this article. In this case, as before, it took multiple journalists to bring these cases to light. In other cases, it's state attorneys general. I almost, I had to read that very carefully. It's state attorneys general doing the work. It says word. I think it's probably supposed to be work, but it's state attorneys general doing the word. Yeah, it's probably supposed to be work, but it's not the Catholic church. It never is. And to be honest, this is one of those stories I almost didn't cover because it is such a downer and also because you know at this point it really is no surprise but i think it was just like the number 900 names left off these lists of accusers and then also i think just the fact that it came to my attention via a mainstream news channel 
made me kind of feel that it it's, uh, must be something about this story uh, that is making it especially newsworthy, despite constantly being inundated with these kind of stories about the Catholic Church. And then I also heard about this story via the, uh, the local news. And this one, oh, palm-reading psychic accused of tricking client out of 70000 through demonic possession scheme. So here we go. And this is kind of, I mean, this is sad in its own way, too, that there's people who are this gullible. But at the same time, uh, it's kind of a bit of a palate cleanser after how kind of uh, dark that last story was. Somerset police have arrested a psychic palm reader, accusing her of tricking a client out of over 70000 by convincing her that her daughter was possessed by a demon. Tracy Milanovich, 37, of Somerset, has been charged with six counts of obtaining property over $250 by trick, larceny over $1,200, and intimidation of a witness. She was arraigned Monday at Fall River District Court. And there's a picture of her here, and my gut instinct was to go, oh, she's not bad looking, but <laughs> that that's neither here nor there. Just, uh, you know, I notice these things. Police said, uh, bad host again. Police said they began an in <laughs> I can talk. Police say they began an investigation last month into Milanovic, owner of Tracy's Psychic Palm Reader on County Street. After one of her clients reported that she tricked her into giving her large sums of money, they said Milanovic allegedly convinced the victim that her daughter was possessed by a demon and that cash and household items were needed to banish the spirit from her daughter. Fellow mediums say this is giving the paranormal practice a bad name. <laughs> it makes the rest of us look bad. Oh my god. Who are doing this? Who are doing this to help people? Yeah, I, some of them probably have deluded themselves into thinking that they actually are helping people. Um, said Lori Belch, or Belcha, Belka, who owns Enlightenings and does readings just a quarter mile down the road. She charges fifty for a thirty-minute session. I mean, I guess technically you can make an argument that if you have a customer who's gullible enough to believe in this stuff and the palm reader tells them what they want to hear or, or something positive and they leave feeling better, that maybe in some weird way you did help them, but it's still bullshit and you're still taking someone's money. You know what I mean? And I was trying to see if... Uh, it mentioned anything about the Barbie doll. On the news, they were saying that uh, she requested a Barbie doll because I think she was going to put the, the spirit that was uh, banished from the daughter into the doll or, or something ridiculous like that. And I might cover one last fun little story. This one has nothing to do with uh, religion or atheism or anything, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, it's just kind of fun and entertaining. And so this is from CNN, and it's entitled, Drones flying in rural Colorado and Nebraska have residents freaking out. No one knows who's behind them. And this was on the local news, too, talking about these mysterious uh, drones. And I think, you know, 
they were making jokes about, you know, is it something like the rise of Skynet? All these uh, these uh, machines that people can't explain, you know, where they came from or whatever. Mysterious drones have been flying over Colorado and Nebraska in recent weeks, and authorities can't figure out who's behind the aircraft. Deputies have spotted more than 16 unmanned drones flying in northeast Colorado after authorities received multiple reports of drone sightings last month, the sheriff's offices in Colorado's Yuma and Phillips County said. FAA spokesman Ian Greger told CNN that multiple FAA divisions and government agencies are investigating reports of drones in Colorado and Nebraska. Yuma County Sheriff Todd Combs said in a Facebook post Tuesday, it appears the drones were staying at least 150 to 200 feet away from buildings and people and are flying in airspace controlled by the federal government. The aircraft comb said are operating within federal guidelines but are making residents very nervous and anxious. People do not like the unknown as it upsets the balance of our lives, Combs wrote. But at the same time, the unknown, you know, a little mystery can be fun. But I'm sure it's not fun for the people who live there. They probably feel like, you know, their privacy is being invaded and they're not sure what's going on. Uh, I heard some people speculate that it could just be, you know, one of the really big companies like Google or something trying to uh, map out the terrain or something like that. I don't know. But I just thought that was kind of a, a fun, quirky little story. What if it is the robot apocalypse? Are you ready? Are you ready for Skynet? (laughs) I am. Stuff me in a tube and turn me into a battery like in the Matrix. I can finally get some rest. Oh, boy. But with that, I guess I'll call this episode a wrap. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show, you know, you can like the uh, Facebook page. Uh, I would say follow the show on Twitter, but I'm not too active on Twitter. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you'd like to support what I'm doing financially, and that would be awesome, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash theweekendout and support the show for as little as 99 cents a month and get access to all sorts of bonus content, Patreon-only episodes, the occasional Lovecraft reading. And if you're already a supporter, don't be afraid to let me know what kind of bonus content you'd like to hear. And with that, uh, all right, brothers and sisters, until next week.